Hello and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. My name is Brad Wilson, financial advisor with KLT Wealth Management, and I'm joined once again by my colleagues, certified financial planner Joe Filiomeni and qualified associate financial planner Courtney Beach. Today is uh, Thursday, June 18th, 2020, and we're back with episode 13 in season one of our podcast here. Uh, today, we wanted to touch a little bit more on an economic update, talk a little bit about what's going on in the markets. Um, we did this last month in May, and it seemed to go over very well. And with so much evolving and changing in the markets, um, we wanted to kind of uh, provide a bit of an update and, and maybe even touching on this every month or every couple of months uh, will be a good thing, especially during these times. Uh, to keep everyone in the loop with what's going on and what the outlook, uh, if the outlook has changed kind of moving forward. So to begin, I think it's important that we dive into, we've had a little bit of volatility recently in the markets. Um, we've seen a correction uh, a little bit last week. So uh, Joe, did you want to touch on kind of what are we seeing uh, last few weeks, three or four weeks in the markets and, uh, and uh, yeah, what's kind of happened? Yeah, it's it it certainly has been an interesting time in the markets. Um, you know, historically, like you know, we started back in March, I guess March twenty third as our lowest point, and uh, we talked about it in uh, in May in terms of how the market has grown uh, since March twenty third, and that growth has continued. So for maybe the first few weeks in in May, we we saw an increase in the markets uh, where we saw it earlier, which was in the tech sector, which kind of made sense. Like the tech sector has been very, very strong. Uh, the last few years, the, the tech sector has been very, very strong. Um, and so we, we saw that continued growth in that area. The last few weeks has been really interesting in that the entire market has been going up. So all of a sudden we're, we're getting what they call a, a larger breadth of the market where roughly 98%, 99% of all the stocks in the exchange are, are actually rising. So it's, it's interesting in that if you have like mutual funds that are focused on small to mid-size type companies, all of a sudden you've seen those particular mutual funds start to go up. Whereas earlier it was anything with tech in, in the mutual fund, you, you tend to see the drive up. So, so we've seen that. And as you mentioned, just kind of recently, we've kind of had a bit of a pullback. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to talk about that as well, you would notice if, if you check the, you know, the news, you check uh, the markets, you'll see a lot of the time the NASDAQ outperforming all of the other indexes. And that's because it's, it's, as you said, tech heavy. So um, in the, in the weeks to come, you know, we saw that a big uh, kind of um, growth spurt from about mid May there about May 14th, all the way up until about uh, two weeks ago there, uh, like the 8th, 9th of June. And then that's when we kind of saw that pullback into the market. So um, I think what we're seeing is uh, this pullback was, was necessary. You know, we're still, there's still tons of uncertainty in the market and yes, the markets are forward looking, but um, I think the, the main thing is, is there needed to be a little bit of a, a pullback to bring everyone back down a little bit to, to earth and to where we are mm -hmm. in these markets with everything going on. It's almost like a, a like the the market has to rest 
it's been yeah. going up and and one of the analysts that 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 we talked to uh, put it very clearly in that the market is forward looking and it will anticipate future growth but sometimes it needs to rest and stop and wait for the economy to catch up mm-hmm. and i think that's what we've we've sort of seen uh recently is uh is is that market kind of just kind of saying okay well let's let's wait to see what's actually happening in the economy and we are getting sort of different uh signals in the economy uh as well i think one of the cases uh of, of sort of a bit of a panic was the uh the potential for the second wave in the us right mm-hmm. yeah so um i think there was more and more talk about that and because of that talk obviously that leads to a little bit of panic sell, selling and then you end up people where where investors begin sort of taking profits off at that point um but uh but moving forward then it kind of bounces back cuz then you know people look at the market and saying okay it's oversold and things are will eventually continue to improve so then they begin to buy back in mm-hmm. yeah and i think uh recently we had the um the fed uh, in the states there uh, come out with some more dovish comments around that time as well so we saw that kind of impact the the markets in a sense they say, and we're not out of the woods yet. And I think that's the theme you're getting from a lot of government officials um, and uh, and experts in the field, especially when it comes to medical experts, is we're not out of the woods. There is a long road ahead, um, you know, to actually see uh, banks increasing rates for years out from that is what it seems to be from now. And so, um, you know, there's still uh, recently Trudeau extended the um, the CERB benefit here in, in Canada uh, an additional two months. So you're seeing benefits continue to be extended. Yes, economies are reopening, um, but it's because it's just the start of that. There's so much unknown on how that will impact everything financially and health wise. You know, what, what will we see with with cases? And I think that's what the, the fear is, is some people think we've seen spikes in in uh, states in, in the U.S., such as Texas. Actually, I think 18 U.S. states have had record highs recently. Um, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's the second wave now. But uh, when I was looking- The first some... one never really ended, though. Exactly. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what a lot of experts are saying is, no, 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 this is not the second wave. This is still the first wave. And, and so uh, that's brought a lot more uncertainty into, into the markets. Yeah. And we have to remember that there's still a lot of people who aren't working. And if we want the economy to start chugging along, we need people to start working so they have money to spend and they don't have money to spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the important note is, is the fact that all governments, all, all banks, uh, the Fed especially, have indicated that they are quite willing to continue to add uh, stimulus to the yeah. economic uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. So they will certainly continue to step in and add stimulus to, to the economy. And the markets like that. The fact that they are very supportive moving forward. In fact, they've even come out and indicated that uh, they don't anticipate increasing interest rates for until 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which to me seems like it's way out there, like mm-hmm. 2022, not to increase interest rates. But but we got to kind of keep in mind is why would they interest 
increase interest rates. Mm -hmm. The only reason they would kind of look to increasing interest rates is, is if they feel that there is inflationary pressure. Mm -hmm. And right now there is no inflationary pressure. The only sort of uh, category that is, is saw, uh, has, has seen sort of an increase in pricing is really food. Yeah. Is, has been sort of one of the core sort of categories, of course, that they've seen increases in pricing. But the general sort of uh, consumer price index, they haven't seen that inflationary pressure. Now, moving forward, you know, uh, as the economy kind of picks up and people begin to, to spend again, and then pricing goes up, and then wage uh, pressures might go up as well, right. then the government has to step in, the Fed has to step in and increase interest rates just to uh, ensure that the inflation doesn't get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but I don't get the impression that that will happen too soon. That's why they're looking at so far out. They're looking at 2022. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I totally agree. I don't see it happening because, you know, you, you increase interest rates and then all of a sudden the economy does slow down because yeah. businesses rely on borrowing. And mm -hmm. if all of a sudden their cost of borrowing has gone up, um, so it may kind of curve inflation, but at the same time, it could, you know, stifle the, the actual or stall the actual economy again. Mm -hmm. And they definitely don't want that happening. Right. Yeah, I definitely think um, the the consumer spending has dropped. And actually, just recently, I think it was for last month that uh, um, the consumer debt loads in Canada dropped for the first time in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just showing that people aren't spending. They're not going out and spending money on on sporting events, on concerts, on entertainment, on, you know, movie theaters, on whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and, and that's helping to pay down debt. And with low interest rates as well, it's creating those opportunities. Yeah, I think the population is in one of two categories. You're either lucky enough to have a job that you can work from home and you're saving money. You're, you're, you know, you're not spending it on coffee. You're not going out and entertaining yourself. But if you're unemployed, you're hurting right now. Yeah, that's, that's where we're sitting right now. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's separate sort of the economy and the markets, because we know mm. that they are connected, yet, you know, they are looking at different things. And that's where often investors, uh, you know, get confused, saying, yeah. you know, hey, it's a bad economy right now. My, my investments must be doing terribly. Mm -hmm. And then you tell them, oh, well, like you're only down 2% or 3% or you're actually break even or you're mm -hmm. actually ahead. And they don't understand why. Yeah. And, and I think it, it should be clear to a lot of investors out there that there is uh, the, the market itself does look forward. It does rely on the today's economy, but it's looking beyond sort of today. Yeah. And, and there is that disconnect as much as they are very much connected, but there is that disconnect. And, and with that, then looking forward, the question I have for you two, are we starting a bull market? Are we starting a new bull market at this point in time? I think it's going to happen. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, I think I've heard the other day somebody say uh, that we could be in for a short-term bull market. And I think, uh, I think definitely the markets have priced in 
a uh, positive recovery to the economy. So I think um, the whether we enter a bull market or not will be heavily dependent on the success of the reopening of the economies uh, and whether or not businesses um, can rebound with their with their losses that they incurred in quarter two and and what are the numbers going to look like when we look at earnings through quarter two into quarter three and I think if we see another significant pullback, it'll be because there was a struggle in these reopenings. Um, and then we might see that kind of W recovery where we have another pullback. We might not reach March lows again, but um, before we head into it, that, that bull market, um, because there is concern with, with the reopening. And I think because it takes some time to get the numbers, um, we may have some more uh, restrictions be put back in place. Uh, depending on how that all works out and whether or not the vaccines are a success. There's lots of, um, uh, of speculation and that's what it is. There's a lot of vaccines in trials, but just because they're in trials and they're advancing in trials at record rates doesn't mean they're going to be effective and doesn't mean they'll be distributed to the masses in, uh, in, in good time. So those unknowns, I think, are what... Uh, could prevent us from being a bull market, but the current markets are pricing in to, to say that I think the recoveries will be, uh, be okay. We also have to consider that the, there's an election coming up and no matter who wins, they're not going to want, they're not going to want a, a recession. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that the market goes up or that it's successful. Right. And there's a lot of governments around the world that are also that, determined to put in the policies. I mean, we've seen so many um, stimulus plans go out from various governments to stimulate the economy. And I don't think that's going to change coming out of this. Yeah. And I think we got to separate in, in that we have the qualitative factors and then we have the quantitative factors that mm -hmm. will affect our market. And as you, Brad, you've kind of indicated a lot of the 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 those factors that you know are affected by you know the second wave and the reopening of the economy if we look on a quantitative basis on a technical analysis mm -hmm. basis and going back to sort of my first comments on the breadth of the market and the fact that it has like 98 percent of the stocks are going up historically if we looked back anytime that that typically happens in a three-month, six-month, nine-month, 12-month period, the market 98% of the time went up. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's signaling something, right? In terms of maybe we are kind of at the beginning of a bull market. And of course, we never go straight up, right? No. Absolutely. Get a bit of a pullback and then, and then head back up. But let's look at what other factors that would help sort of this bull mar market, assuming that, you know, we, uh, we work through sort of the second wave and whatnot, but you have all the government stimulus, you have low interest rates, you have, uh, I feel you have a lot of pent up demand for purchasing, yes. Just to, you know, to, to your point of, of the fact that, debts are down, uh, people haven't been spending because they don't have an opportunity to spend, all of a sudden you open the doors and everybody's going to start spending. So you have a lot of pent up demand that's mm -hmm. there and that may drive the economy or drive the economy as well as continue with the market growth. And, and I think the, the other important thing uh, to remember is that um, as the market 
you know, again, getting back to the breadth of the market and going up, not everybody is comfortable in investing now. One of the um, uh, measurements of the market uh, risk is the VIX. And, mm -hmm. and the VIX basically uh, indicates sort of comfort level in whether there's, you know, uh, what level of comfort that people are having and investors and large companies and whatnot. And it's still relatively low. There's not a lot of comfort in the market. So not everybody's participated in this, you know, growth that we've had over the recent few months. So all of a sudden, you know, it's typical as we are halfway up, then everybody else will try to jump on the train, right? Mm -hmm. Jump on. Uh, and, and I think that that's an important part to sort of recognize. So as an investor, as an individual investor, it's tough today to say, stay in the market or keep adding into the market because mm -hmm. you're looking around and you're looking at the bad things that are happening. You're saying this is not going to happen, but these are the times to stay in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or put more in. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, if, if you're steady investing, you're doing your packs. I think that that's where you need that conversation with your financial advisor. Definitely. Right. And, and uh, to basically review your portfolio. I think it's important that you have some tech exposure in your portfolio, noticing that, you know, tech has been such a strong performer and like, let's face it, moving from this point on, are we ever going to get rid of tech? No. no. <laughs> and then we're just going to have more and more companies that are being created to, to uh, facilitate all the technology needs that we're going to have moving forward. So mm -hmm. have exposure to that and still have some exposure to that small to mid-sized sort of caps. It's quite interesting. One particular company, they, they provided a bit of a, a snapshot of where they're sort of buying. And I, and then we should maybe share that, uh, the, their, their first sort of buying area is internationally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're looking at international equities now. Now, when I kind of question that international equity category in that Microsoft, is that not an international stock? Well, uh, I think when they think international, it's X North America. So yes. anything outside of North America is considered international. And when you see global, then that starts, that's includes the States. True enough, true enough. But, you know, you kind of start looking at, you know, maybe companies that have international exposure as well, <laughs> right? Like a Microsoft. And, and let's face it, a lot of these companies, even the ones that are in Europe, for example, have international exposure. Their second position right now is cash. <laughs> so they're sitting on cash. And, and I think a lot of portfolio managers continue to sit on cash because there's an opportunity as, you know, if there is a pullback to buy in mm -hmm. and and the third one is the u.s equity yeah mm -hmm. you know again uh as you go down the line you know your canadian equities and your commodities and bonds seem to be lower on the scale of where they're purchasing so that kind of gives you an idea of where potentially you can be investing and the beauty of the mutual fund is that you allow the fund manager to kind of manage that for you in terms of where you should be buying yeah, yeah, that and they have the resources to research everything and talk to all the CEOs and CFOs of all these corporations too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
I think uh, I think that's a great uh, kind of summary of wh- where the market's at now. And I, I do want to just touch a little bit briefly on um, any updates to the real estate market, because we did touch a little bit on it last time and people are still looking for, to buy homes, to sell their homes. Uh, you know, you may have, have listed and, and the coronavirus kind of threw a wrench in, in plans, you know, if you're building a home or whatever it may be. So I think uh, there have been some changes uh, to, to the markets there. So I think we should touch on first uh, CMHC as of, uh, I think it's July 1st this year, will be lowering the debt ratio. So essentially reducing the purchasing power that everyone has when buying a home, uh, reducing the amount of debt that they're allowed to take on. Yeah, so again, it's sort of curbing appetite, uh, you know, maybe trying to control yeah. sort of the real estate market. I think they're <laughs> predicting that the housing prices are going to go down and so they're reacting to that ahead of time. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the big thing with, with this is they're, they're afraid for first-time home buyers who are putting 5% down that if we do see a pullback in, in prices, that we don't want those, um, those uh, first-time home buyers to be in negative equity. And that's, yeah. and that's the worry. And that's the fear is that they, they might not be able to make mortgage payments. They might not, you know, they won't have any equity in their home because they only put 5% down. And if the prices drop 6 7%, then we could be in uh, in difficult times, and and I think the the big uh, driver when it comes to home price decline is going to be unemployment because uh, mm-hmm. that that they're very they're very closely linked, um, and so when we continue to see how unemployment numbers are affected based off of the economic conditions reopening, et cetera, I think that's where we'll see the the decline in home prices. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I tend to disagree that we're going to see a decline in home yeah. prices. Uh, Might be a blip, but like just even currently, like in 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 the small New Hamburg market that we're in, that we're in here with the office, and and there still is bidding wars mm-hmm. on 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 housing purchases, yeah. and and you're not even able to see the houses. Like again, it's it's so much more restricted now because of the the social distancing concerns. So, but you're still getting that bidding war. So yeah. I, I think it comes I, yeah. down to supply demand, right? Yeah. I've seen it too. I mean, just this weekend now that we're allowed to talk to people, I went for a walk in one of the local neighborhoods in the KW area and we were walking by homes and they all had sold signs on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I, I don't think they're staying on the market for very long. And I think so, the reason for that is that we are like the amount of homes that are on the market and the real estate, like the, the market that's out there right now is, is the worst it's been since 1996 because yeah. if the amount of listings have dropped, but with these reopenings, I think we're going to see a bit of an increase. And mm-hmm. then once the market's a bit more flooded and it's rebounded with the amount of people selling, or now that it's over, everyone wants to sell, to, you know, who might've put it off for a while, that's where we might see the demand exceed yeah. our, uh, or the supply exceed the demand. The one market I'd be interested to see how it reacts is the Toronto condo market. 
because a lot of these people, you know, a year ago would buy five units, they'd rent them out on Airbnb for a price that would cover their mortgage, and they make a little profit. And over this coronavirus, a lot of them are in the hole, and now they're having to sell those condos. That means that there's extra condos that are going to be on sale in the Toronto market. And the question is, is the demand going to be there for those condos? Yeah, like I think you hit the nail on the head with that one because I'll, I'll take that thesis a little bit further in the fact that um, all of a sudden companies in Toronto are discovering that their staff, uh, their teams can work from home. Yep. So now they can work remotely. They don't need to be downtown Toronto. Uh, so all of a sudden, is that going to open up uh, an opportunity that if I'm in downtown Toronto and I can work from home, I can maybe move out of Toronto. Uh -huh. yeah. And then obviously then supply in the Toronto area may go up, which may kind of bring prices down in the Toronto area. Um, but on the same token, will that drive the price in KW, Woodstock, Ottawa, yeah. like just moving out of the large centers mm -hmm. and drive the price to say, I, for the price that I sold my condo, I can buy a half acre lot in Stratford, for example. And, and uh, so then you could very well start to see an increase in housing prices sort of beyond sort of those key areas mm -hmm. when the demand to be in uh, in the center of the town it goes down. Yeah. So it's it's an, it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, again, I think it comes down to that supply demand, which I don't think we'll ever have enough supply. But the demand, uh, someone brought this up a while ago in terms of where the, the demand's coming, and a lot of demand was coming from immigration. <laughs> and the question moving forward, will we open up that immigration uh, or how quickly again mm -hmm. and how quickly yeah uh, and and that will likely influence the housing market on the demand side yeah. yeah no I definitely think it's something that we will continue to watch because it is an interesting aspect and um, it is the largest asset for the most part that all uh, Canadians do own right so it is something important to watch uh, moving forward but uh, um, there are a lot of variables as with many things on, on that sort of thing. So I think um, before we close out the podcast, let's kind of just take a quick look at what is the outlook moving forward when it comes to markets and the economy? My outlook, I don't have the crystal ball, but I think we're going to continue to inch up. Yeah. Going up uh, slow, but surely we're going to take some breaks. Um, you know, I, I, you know, to Courtney's point on the U.S. election, I think there's some positive aspects that would happen there uh, that may help the general economy, the world economy. And so um, that's my bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to see, um, you know, these little spurts of uh, COVID reemerging re here and there. But I don't think we're going to see the closure of the economy like we saw in the last few months. I don't think countries can afford to and businesses can afford to. Yeah, I think uh, I do agree with that. I think that uh, if and when we see a second wave, 
um, we will be uh, more prepared this time with the right measures. So I think businesses won't necessarily have to close, but just change, readjust or, or increase safety measures um, before actually completely closing again. Um, So I think we will be better prepared from that standpoint, but I think it all comes down to, um, you know, what is the spread like and everything like that. I do believe that we're going to continue to see maybe an inch, maybe almost just a flat kind of slight up and down uh, uh, growth in the markets uh, for the next, you know, coming month or so um, while we kind of wait for some of some more, um, some more uh, big pillars to kind of drop. We look at Canada is going to give an economic outlook uh, update on July 8th. Uh, so, you know, maybe a podcast after that, we can talk about, okay, what happened there and, uh, and what's the forecast moving forward from that. Yeah. So, and the other one is the U S election and absolutely. who's going to get in power and what, um, what policies are they going to implement to stimulate the economy? Yeah. So that's, that's going to be an interesting one to end off kind of 2020, right? As that'll be uh, in October, I believe. This November. Year. November, right? This year. So that'll be, uh, so that'll be something to watch towards the end of the year. So that is where we'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. We want to thank everybody for listening in today uh, and hopefully everyone is enjoying the nice weather. Uh, We will be scaling back the podcast as we enter the summer months through July and August. Uh, We will still continue to release episodes, however, just one per month through July and August. And then we'll stop back with some updates in the fall uh, and when we get back going uh, there, August and September. So uh, for now, we'll release one episode. Look for it mid to end of July and same thing with August. But for now, we do have lots of episodes already in the bank that you can check out, Uh, especially our last podcast. We had another special guest on. So that's three episodes this year that we have had special guests on our podcast. And we had a great conversation with Tim from Manulife Bank on cash flow planning, debt consolidation, and uh, banking options. So make sure to go check that out. And please let us know if there's any other topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. And for now, enjoy the weather, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy your summer, and we will see you with the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services, Inc. or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording, however we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc. Insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc.